Amos chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Not a long portion of Scripture, but... All right, here it is. Uh, The words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of King Uzziah, who was the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, who was the king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, The Lord roars from Zion, and he makes his voice heard from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the summit of Carmel withers. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word. We pray that you can uh, just illuminate this to us, God, uh, to see what it is in the book of Amos that you want us to learn today. God, be with me as I speak and be with everyone as they listen. And uh, God, ultimately, we, we pray that what we hear today, we can apply in our lives, that what we hear today can hopefully change an aspect of our lives that will help us grow closer to you. We love you, God, and we thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So we're, uh, we're going to get started. Hey, hey. Oh, hey, come on in, guys. Do we have any more seats in the back? Uh, do me a favor. There's a couple chairs. You can grab a chair and sit in the back there if you want to. Perfect. Okay. So the book of Amos, this is our new series that we're doing called Mirror Image. Um, has anybody here ever read the book? Let me ask this. Who's heard of the book of Amos before? Has anybody ever heard of Amos? Okay, cool. Who in here has read the book of Amos before? Anybody? Of course, Joe Church. Of course you did. What, who, anybody else? Brittany, have you read through Amos before? Wow, of course you have too. Yeah, Amos is, is a book that I, didn't, I wasn't super familiar with until I um, had to write a paper on it in a class that I took. And, and I remember as I was reading it, there was uh, a couple of things that stood out to me in this book that, that I want to talk about today. Today is going to be mostly an introduction on the book of Amos. Uh, you'll notice that we only read two verses. We're not going to break down the whole first chapter. But this is going to be a 10-week series, and we're just going to go all the way through. And the cool thing about this book is um, it goes along with the, uh, the phrase. Have you ever heard the phrase that says, those who don't follow history are doomed to repeat it? Have you guys heard that before? Yeah, that meant nothing to me growing up, okay? Growing up, I was like, yeah, history. Anybody here like history? Anybody enjoy history? No way. Who, anybody here is bored in history class? Anybody? Okay, cool. All right. I noticed your hand went really high on that one, Ms. Smith. Okay, yeah, <laughs> me. All right, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't sleep a lot in high school. I stayed up late playing video games and watching movies. So history, hearing my teacher just go on and on about history was kind of boring, kind of bored me. Um, now, I will say this. When I grew up in England, the history in England is phenomenal. Like, it, those people were barbaric. The more gruesome the history, the more I pay attention. I think that's just kind of the reality of it. But, but, uh, but I'm not a big history guy. I remember in, co- in my master's degree, I took church history, which was actually a really cool class as well. You kind of see how the church came to be, all the different church fathers and all this stuff. And one thing that hit me learning history is that the stuff that we experience today is not anything new. Okay, the stuff that we see happening in politics, happening in culture, all this stuff, this is not new stuff. This is stuff that has been experienced before. Now, obviously, uh, technology is different. Things are, certain things are different. But the problems that Christians dealt with back in the day are still problems that Christians deal with today. In fact, the book of Amos here, I called it mirror image because as I was reading through the book of Amos, it occurred to me that this, what I was reading sounded very familiar I was like, man, okay, Amos, uh, for those of you who don't know, Amos was a prophet. His whole mission, God called him to go to Israel and say, hey, um, here's what you're doing wrong, A, B, and C. Correct it or God will bring judgment upon you. This is typically what, what prophets would do. Somebody, what is a prophet? Somebody raise your hand and tell me what a prophet is. We've talked about him before, right? What's a prophet? Yes, ma'am. 
Exactly right. Somebody who speaks to the people for God. In fact, um, in the Old Testament, we read a lot about the prophets. And, and I joked that if you saw a prophet walking towards your town, what's up, Alabies? You can grab a chair back there if you want and sit on this back row. In fact, here, you two gentlemen, Blake and your friend there, why don't you guys grab a chair and sit there as well if you don't mind? Uh, that way you can all sit in the back row. Perfect. Perfect. All right. But um, I joked about I joked about that if you, back in the old days, if a prophet was walking towards your town and you saw a prophet, more than likely it probably kind of freaked you out a little bit because you're like, oh no, what did I do? What did you do? What did you do? Because a lot of times the prophets would come and they would say, hey, um, I'm here because you're doing something wrong and I'm here to tell you that God is going to bring judgment upon you if you don't change. Not a very uplifting message, right? <laughs> not, not, not a message that I'm sure a lot of people enjoy hearing. But he, um, Amos had this exact job where he had to go to Israel and he had to say, guys, listen, you've done this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong, and God wants you to change. What's funny about it is the things that he tells them that they're doing wrong, as I was reading through it, in my mind, mentally, I was like, you know, you can replace the word Israel with the words United States, and it's the same thing. Like, the things that Israel was struggling with is a mirror image of what we struggle with in the United States today. It was pretty cool, actually. I was like, man, this is, this is a book that is, you know, a lot of people probably look at Amos and say, this was a book written to Israel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. What does that have to do with me? And what I want to try to show you guys over the next 10 weeks is that there's a lot of stuff that we can get from the book of Israel that can really affect our lives. So, what I want to do is, the first thing, I'm going to do this into two parts. The first thing I'm going to do is tell you um, a couple of similarities between Israel and the United States today, three things, and then I'm going to finish by telling you our main point, which is, which is about the actual man Amos, okay? And remember, this is mostly just an introduction, so um, I'm going to give you a lot of information, and then I'll give you a little bit of application at the end, okay? So, let's go ahead and jump in, all right? Um, if you, look at, uh, if you look at Amos chapter 1 and 2, uh, verse 2 says, um, let me reread it to you. It says that the Lord roars from Zion. He makes his voice heard from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the summit of Carmel withers. Now, if you don't know, if you're just reading this, you're probably thinking like, what in the world does that mean? Did, did anybody read that and just be like, I have no idea what that means? Anybody would be willing to raise your hand? Yeah, me too, all right? I, I looked at this the first time, and I was like, what in the world? So I looked it up a little bit, but pretty much the gist of it is when it talks about the Lord roars from Zion, he has a message that he wants Israel to hear. And I love this last part, the summit of Carmel withers. Essentially, he's saying um, Carmel is this place that was located near Israel that was a very um, uh, fertile place. Uh, it had a lot of uh, greenery. The trees were great. Things were growing up well. And I think the gist of this verse here is that he's saying, listen, you know, the Lord is giving you a message. If you don't listen to this message, you, you'll wither up like this, okay? So, so what we've got is, um, is Amos is coming, and, he, and he's telling these guys, I have a message for you, which we will start to jump into next week. But I did a little bit of research on the time of Amos, like what, what was going on in his time. And there was three things that stood out to me, okay? So let's look at the first one here, okay? In the times of Amos, it was a time of national disunity, okay? National disunity. So remember, what I want to do is these first three have to do with a mirror image of the United States. Let me ask you guys, do you think that we are living in a time of national disunity, yes or no, in the United States? You, what do you think? Yes, you better believe we are, okay? Remember, uh, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, um, 
uh, Michigan, Ohio State, right? I'm just kidding about that one. But, but, but there, it, we are in national disunity. It used to be in our country that you could actually um, have an opinion about something and, and somebody would say, oh, I disagree with your opinion, all right? Let's go about our ways. Let's go play a game of golf. But now you're just like, I disagree with your opinion. I'm going to boycott your business. I'm going to put your information online, and I'm going to try to ruin your life. Like, things are, things are bad, right? So things are not that much different back in these days. I don't know what Israel looks like, so I'm just going to draw a circle. But back in these days, Israel used to be a single nation, okay? It was just uh, it was the nation of Israel. It got to a point where they ended up splitting in half. Like, literally, it was like a civil war almost. And you have the north, you have the south, and the north kept the name Israel, and the south took the name Judah, Okay, so now north is Israel, the south is Judah. Um, anybody have any idea where Amos was from? What do you think, north or south? I'll give you a clue. This is the same clue I gave the last service. Ready? Hi, ma'am, my name's Amos. Where do you think I'm from? What do you think, north or south? The south, right? He's got a southern accent probably. But, but yeah, he was from Judah, or, or he was from Judah pretty close to the border of, of Israel. And here's what's crazy about this is when you, I mean, you see this in verse 1. He says, he says, these are the words and the things that he saw regarding Israel in the days of King Uzziah, who was king of Judah, and King Jeroboam, who was king of Israel. We've got two kings here. It is a time of national disunity. Things are not great, okay? These two don't like each other, all right? You guys know Carrie Buck, who's our worship leader over here? You know Carrie? Well, Carrie lives in Westerville, okay? I live in Sunbury. And me and Carrie always pick on each other about this. One day, Carrie's like, where do you want to go to lunch? Well, he's got a country accent. He's like, where do you want to go to lunch, man? I said, well, I'd love to go to, uh, you know, they had a new Taco Bell opened up in Sunbury. And he goes, oh, man, I got to get a tetanus shot if I go out there to Sunbury. And I was like, what? And he always jokes about Sunbury that were, that were like rednecks and that were lower class people. And Westerville is like these uppity rich people. Anybody here live in Westerville? All right, yeah, uppity rich people. Yeah, I knew it. No, I'm just kidding. But so this is our joke that we do with each other is we joke that Carrie lives in like the, the nice part of Westerville. I live in the, the, the boondocks of Sunbury. And we always joke about it. And, and, and it's, it's similar here where the north, Israel, these guys were a little more progressed. They were a little uh, wealthier. But the north were pretty cocky. Like they, they thought that they were way better than the south. The south thought that they were way better than them. And here's what makes this interesting, okay? Amos is from the south, yet God calls Amos and says, hey, here's my message for you. I want you to take this message. And Amos probably was like, oh, sweet. Okay, I'll take it to Judah, my people. I'll tell them. And, and, and God goes, no, no, no. You have to take it to the north. That's crazy. And he was probably like, wait, what? I got, oh, come on, man. You've heard how they talk to us. You want me to go to the north? And God's like, yes, this is a message for Israel. So Amos was given a task to go from the south to go to the north, all right? So we'll talk about this more in more detail later, but the, the mirror image of the United States is that they're living in a time of national disunity, all right? This is nothing new, all right? Like stuff that is happening in our country today is not like people are like, wow, we just don't get along. It's never been this way. Guys, it's been this way before, okay? So that's the first one. Number two, okay? Number two is economic prosperity, all right? Prosperity, all right? So... The, again, the mirror image, Israel, looks a lot like the United States. What's up, Faith? Uh, I got a chair right here for you. Yes, come on in. All right. And we got a good turnout today. Brittany, can you count the number for me of everybody? Oh, great. Thank you. Okay. I'll get it from you in a little bit. What a great wife. 
I love it. All right. Anyways, economic prosperity. We live in a time, right, where, um, where this is extremely similar to these guys. You realize that the United States is the most prosperous, wealthiest nation in the existence of mankind. You realize this, right? There has never been a more prosperous and wealthy nation than the United States of America, okay? Now, what was similar was Israel back in these days. They were going through this time. So even though things were split, there was national disunity, both, both of these places were experiencing pretty good times economically. In fact, I read a, um, I, I read a, a commentary, and they were saying that uh, during these times, they were expanding their territory, and they were overtaking different armies and stuff. And when they would take over these armies, they'd take over their their, uh, their resources, and then it would open up trade routes to different places. And listen to this. this. This is a really weird quote to me. It says that a number of people in Israel's capital, Samaria, became extremely wealthy. It says they furnished their homes with exquisite wood and ivory furniture. Okay, that part's cool. Ready? The wealthy had the finest of foods and surrounding. And here's the weird part. Many were able to afford both winter and summer homes. <laughs> like, when I think of Israel, I don't think of... Uh, People having a winter or a summer home, right? They're just like, man, it's getting, it's getting pretty cool up here in Judah. I'm going to go to my, my summer home or my winter home down there. Like, guys, these guys had it made, right? In America, we are so prosperous. Our economy is really good. Um, things, are, things are great. A couple days ago, my daughter, Maura, walked up to my wife, and she goes, Mom, I'm starving. And Brittany goes, don't say that. And she goes, why? She goes, because we're not starving. Like, we live in the United States. Nobody in here is starving, okay? You might be hungry. You may have missed, you know, maybe you didn't eat enough for breakfast. But guys, we're not starving, not like other places are. We are economically resourceful. So, again, we're talking a mirror image. Guys, I think we can all agree that in terms of prosperity, we, we're matching up with them pretty good, all right? And then here's the last one. Last one is, uh, oh, yeah, religious activity. Here we go. Religious activity. Let me ask you a question, and we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday in a youth group. Do you have to believe in God to be religious? What do you think? Hmm? Anybody want to comment? Do you have to believe in God to be religious, yes or no? No? What do you mean? Tell me what you mean. What's that? Okay, good point, good point. Yeah, so, so um, in the first service I asked, do you, do you have to be a Christian to be religious? And obviously the answer is no. You know, you've got... Islamic people, you have Buddhist people, like there are other religions. But let me ask you this, can you be religious even without God? So it doesn't matter what God, can you be religious without God? You think so? Why, what do you, why do you say that? Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a good answer. We, I, I think that we, um, uh, whatever you put your faith and your, dedicate your life to, that's essentially what you are religiously living for, okay? When I hear religious, I think of like you're, you, you've given your life to it. You, this is the most important thing. And it's easy. You can look around the country, right? You can see things that we are very religious about, okay? Listen, I'm going to throw myself into this. Sports, right? Don't you think we are extremely religious about sports in this country? Go Buckeyes, 48 to 7 last night. Great night, all right? What about money, right? You think we're pretty religious about our money? Yeah, man. Goodness gracious. I worked, when I worked at the bank, I noticed that pretty quickly. I said, these people care a lot about their money. Uh, relationships, status, job, like all these different things. In fact, and again, I'll tell you this, I, I told this to the high schoolers on Wednesday night, is that there was a girl who went to the United Nations the other day, and she was talking about climate change and stuff. And I was, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about how religious 
uh, climate change activists have become, how they're, they, for them, life is all about saving the environment. And, and, and disclaimer, good for them. I, I like that, we, that, we're, that you try to take care of the environment. I think we disagree on the ways that is the good way to do it, but the Bible tells us, it, God told Adam, tend the earth, you know, take care of the world, you know, so, so I don't have a problem with that. But, but what's funny is there are people who have, have just really gone to the next level when it comes to climate change and weird stuff like that. Um, I was telling the kids Wednesday that there is a place, I think it's in California, where you can go to and you can say, hey, um, I need to confess and they go, what do you, okay, come on in. What do you need to confess? And they say, well, I drove my car 20 miles today, and I lit off 20 miles worth of carbon emissions into the, into the atmosphere. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And they go, yes, you are forgiven, right? And then, like, other people say, like, I flew on an airplane, right? And, and all, and all the, the emissions from the airplane went up. Please, please forgive me. And, I mean, people are begging forgiveness for something that they've done wrong, it's, it, it is, it's a religion to them. It's a religion to them. We do the same thing, right? We, we go to God when we've sinned and we ask forgiveness from God, but their God now is the climate, all right? So people are extremely religious. I, it's funny, like I, when I hear religious activity, I think because Christianity has gone down in our country, my mindset originally was, oh, our country is getting less and less religious. But I, I don't agree with that anymore. I think our country is as religious, if not more religious. It's just their trust and hope is in the wrong things, right? It's not in God. So these three things, okay, this is, again, this is just an introduction to kind of show you what Israel looked like back in these days. But guys, I'm telling you, these three things here is is a complete mirror image of the United States. And what we're going to hear, there's two things really that Amos has been told by God that he needs to tell Israel to, to really clean up their act is number one is he says, Israel, you guys are not treating people correctly. Okay, you're poor people, you're not caring for them, you're being mean to other people, like, stop that, okay, treat people with love. And then the second thing is, he says, you guys are worshiping God wrong. Did you know that you can worship God incorrectly? Did you know that there are times that God will not hear your worship? Which, which is always crazy to me, I'm always like, well, I didn't know that. But, but I mean, we, we've talked about that before, where the Bible says that if you go to the altar and you're giving something to God... If you've got a problem with your neighbor or your brother, you guys are in a fight, he says, go fix that first and then come back. Because in God's mind, he's like, how can you worship me by giving me this offering yet curse your brother's name right down the street? It doesn't work like that. So, so we're going to talk about that more in depth. The last thing I want to finish with, okay, that, again, that was just kind of an introduction. But the last thing I want to finish with is this point right here. Because it's easy when you're doing an introduction, it's all facts and stuff like that, and you're probably like, what, is that, what does this have to do with me? I want to give you a thing that you can leave with today that will hopefully encourage you in your walk with God, and it's this right here, okay? Here's the main point for today, ready? God loves using people with limitations. God loves using people with limitations. Let's talk about Amos real quick. If we look at verse 1, Look at verse 1. It says, the words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa. In chapter 1, that's all it says about Amos. If you read ahead to chapter 7, you'll see that it says that he's also a grower of sycamore figs. Okay? That's, we know a couple things about him. We know that he's from Judah. We know that he's from the south. We know that he is a shepherd. And we also know that he is a farmer of sycamore figs. I don't even know what a sycamore fig is, okay, but, but he farmed them, all right? So we don't know much about him. And, and, and what I was trying to encourage the kids in the last service, I said, guys, imagine that you are 
uh, imagine that you are looking, you're putting out a job, uh, you're, you're trying to hire somebody and you put out an application and you're like, all right, bring me your applications. And Amos shows up, right? God is like, I'm trying to find a prophet who can go into Israel and give them my message. I need somebody who's qualified. Bring your applications. Imagine Amos showed up and he gave him his application and on his application, Jesus goes, or God goes, okay, let me see. You, uh, you're from Judah. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right, number two, Amos, you are, uh, okay, you, you grow sycamore figs. Okay, cool. And he's like, yep. And he goes, all right, and also you're a shepherd. All right, what makes you think you're qualified to be a prophet of God? But here's the thing, guys. The main point for today is that God loves using people with limitations, and I'm not saying that he was limited in any, like, mental capacity or anything like that. But what I'm saying is he did not have, a, like, the job qualification that you would say to be a prophet. But what's cool about this is God, because he loves using people with limitations, God loves using people who we would look at and say, that person's not qualified. Do you guys remember the back in uh, Samuel? Like, Samuel was a prophet, and the people wanted a king, all right, and uh, so they chose Saul. And then eventually Saul um, was going in the wrong direction, so they said, we're getting a new king. And God says, Samuel, go, and I will show you who this king is. So he went to the house of a guy named Jesse, and Jesse had all his sons line up. And I love that it says Samuel walks up, and he sees the oldest son there, and, and, and he looks at him, and he goes, clearly this is the guy. I mean, look at him. He's a strapping young lad, looks like a warrior, great guy to be a king. And God says, no, it's not him. So he goes, okay. So he goes down. Well, what about this guy? And God's like, no, this guy, no, this guy, no. So all of these people who Samuel thought would be qualified to be a king didn't happen. So then finally Samuel says, is there anybody else? You got any other sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, my son is out in, my son David, but he's the shepherd. He's out in the field. He says, bring him to me. So he sees him and God says, that's the one. Guys, of all of those sons, nobody would have chose David over the older brothers. Nobody, because David didn't appear to be a person who would be qualified for the job of being king. But guys, remember, God loves using people with limitations. So let me ask you this. Why in the world do you think God loves using people who are limited? What, do you guys have any idea why do you think God? What, yes, tell me. What do you think? I'm sorry? Okay, I like it. I like it. What else? Yes, sir. Tyler. a good answer. Look at this. We got, dude, I love the 11 o'clock. Blake, are you raising your hand or are you rubbing your eyebrow in a motion that looks like you're raising your hand? Okay. <laughs> he was doing like this. And I was, I didn't know. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, you have an answer? Don't judge a book by its cover, right? The cover is not the book. So open it up and take a look. My, so you ever seen the new Mary Poppins? My daughter listens to that song all the time. The cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. All right, you got to watch it. Anyway, so, yeah, so, so the re, I, I, all of you guys have the right answer, okay? Be, and, and Tyler, to what you said, imagine, imagine um, you pick the strapping young lad who looks like he's supposed to be a king. He goes out and does kingly things, and you go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what he, that's exactly what you think he would do, right? Good job on him. He did what he appeared he could do. However, imagine that you take a shepherd boy from a field, and then he gets out there, defeats Goliath, uh, leads a nation, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden you're just like, wait a minute, how in the world did this guy do this? He's a shepherd boy. He must have had some help, right? The reason God uses people with limitations is because it shows people that God was in control of the whole thing. It shows people that God was in control of the whole thing. Let me, let me end with this illustration, okay? Okay. 
2014 was a great, great year for me. If you're a Buckeye fan, it was a great year for all of you, okay? In 2014, I'll give you just a quick, brief summary of what happened, okay? Is 2014 the preseason uh, or the uh, uh, spring camp is going on and everything, and everybody's getting pumped about football? Urban Meyer, it's his, uh, I think, his third official year. Uh, Braxton Miller's our quarterback. Things are going to be great this year, okay? Braxton is the man. It's his time, all right? He just lost to Clemson in the previous bowl game, got dinged up, but man, that year's behind us. It's time to focus on the new year, right? So uh, terrible news comes out 10 days before the season, and it is that Braxton Miller has injured himself. He's, he's done something to his shoulder, and everybody's like, well, how long is he going to be out for? Season ending, right? They ends his season. And everybody, including myself, were down about this. We're like, you have got to be kidding me. No, not, not Braxton. This was the year. This was the year. So what they do is they bring in our backup quarterback. His name's J.T. Barrett, okay? J.T. Barrett graduated two years before, came to Ohio State the next year, sat through his entire freshman season, didn't play a snap because he had injured himself in high school. So this guy was the guy that we were counting on to lead our team to victory, okay? And I'll be honest, at this point, most Ohio State fans are like, we'll get him next year, right? So, so JT Barrett gets out there, plays a decent first game, everything's great. Then he gets out on the second game, we play Virginia Tech, and guess what happens? We lose. We lose. It was bad, man. It was really bad. I think we lost by like 14 points, right? So at this point, the season's over. Everybody has come to grips with it. You know, we'll get him next year. We'll wait till Braxton gets better. As the season progresses, we realize that JT is getting better and better. Our team is beating teams by 30-plus points every game. And everybody's like, okay, this, this team is starting to gel it together, right? Then we play a team called Michigan State, all right, who we're playing next week, actually. And we play Michigan State. They're like a top-five team. And we smoke them. It's at Michigan State. And I remember watching this game and just being like, this is a different team that lost to, to uh, Virginia Tech. This is amazing. So our team kept getting better and better. And at this point, people are starting to say, these guys might be legit. So we get to the end of the year. We get to Michigan. And then guess what happens during the Michigan game? You know. You know. JT Barrett gets hurt. Snaps his ankle in half, right? So he's, he's laying there. And everybody's just sitting there. And they're like, this has happened again. <laughs> no. No, God, what have we done? What have we done that you would curse our season so? So they bring him out, and they bring in this wet-behind-the-ears guy named Cardell Jones. Ever heard of him before? All right. Third-string quarterback, comes in, wins the game, right? We were already winning, so it wasn't – he just came in and kind of managed the game. Pretty cool. All right. So at this point, we're like, all right, well, we're going to the Big Ten Championship. It's our third-string quarterback. And everybody's like, let's see what happens. Whatever happens at the Big Ten Championship, we will determine if they're still good enough to go to the first. This is the playoff, first year of the playoffs, right? And so, um, so anyway, so Wisconsin happens. And I remember sitting with my friends. And I was like, guys, this is not going to be good. Wisconsin's, man, they got Melvin Gordon. They're, this guy's a beast. They're going to kill us, right? And does anybody remember the score of that game? 59 to 0. Ohio State, Ohio State. So Ohio State, we play this game. I mean, dude, Joey Bosa was racking up tackles and sacks, and, and it was just nuts, right? And I remember just watching that game and being like, these guys are the real deal, right? So then we go to the playoffs. We play Alabama. We beat Alabama. Top three moment in my life, all right? So guys, I'm telling you, it was a great moment. It, again, you guys were there, all right? So th what's that? I have four children and a wife, and it was top six moment in my life, Yes. Seven, I'll include salvation in there too, all right? But, 
But it was a top moment in my life, right? And then we play Oregon in the national championship, and we don't even care about them because we already beat Alabama, right? That, that was really the championship. But we play Oregon. We beat them. We beat the Heisman Trophy winner, which is great because there was three Heisman finalists. One played for um, one played for Wisconsin, we beat him. One played for Alabama, Amari Cooper, we beat him. And then the dude, what's the, what's the guy who won the Heisman? Marcus Mariota played for o Oregon, we beat them too. He cried at the end of the game. It was amazing. I remember it. He's on the sideline. He was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's right. Go Buckeyes, man. And we won. And I remember at the end of the game, at the end of the game, they went up to Urban Meyer. And everybody was wondering this. They're like, Urban, how in the world do you take a third-string quarterback and win a national championship? How, how do you do this? And Urban really got a lot of credit for this, him and the offensive coordinator, that they were able to just take a random guy, put him into the system, and win a championship. Do you guys realize that, that when God, God does the exact same stuff with us, right? We're all third stringers, let's be honest, right? We're all people who are not qualified to do amazing things. But God, God uses people with limitations. He uses people that you would think have no business doing anything on, on this level. And he says, you know what? I'm in control. If it was up to you, if it was up to you, then yeah, we'd be in trouble. But don't worry about it. It's up to me, all right? You guys remember Moses, right? In, the, in, in Egypt, he says, he, he, God tells him, go to Egypt and, and free my people. And Moses is like, I've got like a speech problem. I can't go. And God says, don't worry about that. That's a limitation. So I want to ask you guys, you know, you're looking at a guy like Amos. You're looking at a guy who's been given a really, a big task. And you know, it's not easy to go up to people and tell them what they're doing wrong, you know? People don't tend to smile upon that, right? But Amos was given this big task that he had to go and deliver a message, and Amos didn't let anything stand in his way. He says, no, 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 this is what God has told me to do. The problem that we face is that a lot of people allow things to stand in the way of them and what God wants them to do. Think about this. You guys ever let fear stand in the way of what God wants you to do? I talked to a kid last week. I said, I said, are you, do you, does it ever freak you out to share your faith with somebody? They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I do not. Ugh. The idea of talking to people really freaks me out, you know? And so for a lot of people, fear is a limitation that, that they let stop them from doing what God wants them to do. So as we discuss this series, series, I want you to remember, guys, that you may be in this room, you may have certain limitations, okay? You may have things that you think would stop you from doing what God wants you to do. But remember, if that's the case, you are the perfect candidate for doing a big, great thing for God. Just allow him to do it, all right? Worship team, why don't you guys come on up here, and we're going to do a worship song. Let's all stand together real quick. I got to tell you, there was probably double the amount of kids from the first service, but you guys were way quieter. I love it. Good job. So what we're going to do is, yeah, if you can cut those lights. Thank you, sir. What we're going to do is we're going um, to sing a song called Enough, and uh, Alex and Kyle are going to sing for us. As we're singing this song, I want you to, to really do an inventory of your life and ask yourself the question, is there something in your life that you are allowing to stop you from doing what God wants you to do? We, do you guys remember the, the, the prophet Jonah did this, right? He, he, he did not want to go to Nineveh. So what did he do? He tried to run away. And God's like, no, no, no. Come on, come on. Don't run away from God, okay? Don't, don't think that things are bigger than God. If you focus on your limitation, you're focusing on your limitation and you're not focusing on God. If God has big plans for you, let God use you. Be a tool that God can use, okay? So focus on these things for the next couple minutes. What are some things in your life that you need to leave here today? Fear, you need to leave that here today. 
anger. Maybe you're mad at somebody and that's preventing you from doing something for God. Leave, leave that here today. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, everybody that's in this room. And Lord, I, I know that we're not here by accident. I know that, that you have a plan. And Lord, I, I look around this room and I see, I see faces of amazing students who I know can do great things in your name, God. So God, I pray that if there are things in our lives, limitations, hindrances that we are allowing to stop us from doing your will, God, I just pray that we can just leave those here today, God, that we can just shake those off, and that we don't let fear, we don't let anger, we don't let all of these things prevent us from doing what it is you want us to do. God, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for how you bless us over and over again. Thank you, God.